Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Kentucky podcast. We have a flight night for you here this episode. That's right, we're back with a flight night and it'll be in the hoppy side of the world. But first, let's get some news and notes as we haven't um, had a whole lot of updates recently as we took last week off. Ross and Squibb Distillery announced it will release the Remus Repeal Reserve Series 6 straight bourbon whiskey this September. This limited edition bourbon is the sixth annual offering of the distillery's award-winning Remus Repeal Reserve Bourbon Collection. Bottled at 100 proof, uh, Series 6 retails for a suggested retail price of $99.99 per 750 milliliter bottle. It will be available in limited quantities in September. Created by master distiller Ian Sturzman and his team, uh, Series 6 comprises uh, five bourbons aged between 8 and 14 years from the Lawrence, Indiana Distillery. Also in Louisville, the Merchant's Ice Tower property at 801 Logan Street in the Smoketown part of town is set to become a new distillery and brewery. The $12 million project will be redeveloped in two phases, the first of which will actualize Trellis Brewing Co., and the second will introduce Ferncliff Distillery. Uh, this distillery will be developed by Beargrass Development. Ferncliff Distillery was a circa 1870 distillery that operated at 930 Lampton Street, and once reopened, it will be a small craft distillery. The Schaefer Meyer Brewing Co. also operated on this site in 1889 and produced 50,000 barrels of beer each year. And in some sad news in Lexington, Fusion Brewing, which was located in the distillery district near uh, Wisebird Cider, has closed its doors officially. There are several rumors, though, that point to another brewery potentially going in there, and it would be a second or third location for whomever takes over the space, so stay tuned for that. But up next is our flight night with JR of Blue Stallion Brewing in Lexington. We've got a full crew for it, too. Enjoy. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for the Q&A, or at least for tonight, it's the flight night. We're going on the beer side here on Hops and Spirits Kentucky. We have with us JR. He's the head brewer for Blue Stallion Brewing in Lexington. JR, welcome in. Hey, how you guys doing? We're good. We have a unique lineup here. There's actually two of us in this window here. I'm joined by my wife, Emily Green. Hey. And depending on how it looks on the screen, JR also has a guest. JR, do you yeah, want to introduce your guest? This is uh, Stella, which is actually the company mascot for Blue Stallion. German <laughs> Shepherd, German beer, very fitting. We might get some uh, some barks or some wines out of her, uh, her later. She wants to play <laughs> Frisbee. So, but yeah, that's our special guest. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then here with us as part of the crew, we have from One Sip Beer Review, Derek Young. Derek, welcome back. Cheers. And it's been a while, but uh, he was on a flight night back at the beginning of the year, and I decided to invite him back. Please welcome in Brandon Evans. Thanks for having me. And this time, Brandon, we actually have alcohol in in what we're tasting instead of it being a non-alcoholic one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, that's a pretty good switch up. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll, I'm hope I'm prepared. <laughs> so, so first up, JR, we're going to try the Kolsch. You want to talk a little bit about the Kolsch and, and what you've done with it? It's very serendipitous. You say that because I'm looking at this glass. I brought it back from Germany. This is a uh, through Kolsch. So I had <laughs> the, uh, the pleasure of being able to live over in Germany for, uh, six months in 2015 and actually had never really had the style except when Lexington Brewing was making it back then. Um, of course they discontinued it and I kind of fell in love with the style of beer. Um, 
you know, when I was living over there. And when I came back, and I was just a homebrewer at the time, uh, really wanted to be able to make my own and put my own like little, you know, identity on it. Um, obviously, um, and we can talk about my comings into beer later, but uh, now that I'm the head brewer at Blue Stallion, um, they never did a Kolsch before. Um, I was like, this is a perfect opportunity for me to bring something that I got to experience authentically. And also just having a really good recipe that I made from home. Um, so this is like probably my favorite beer. If there was a beer that I could only pick to drink for the rest of my life, this would probably be the style. Um, mm -hmm. I just think that it's a good crusher. It's a mix of, you know, kind of like a Pilsner, but it's got a little bit of a, uh, you know, different ester profile to it. Um, I'm not sure if you guys get any of that really from this glass that I provide you guys, but you know, you, you kind of get like a kind of a sweet malt on the nose and there's a little bit of like a, a pear um, kind of fruity characteristic to the yeast. And the dry kind of finish kind of helps accentuate that a little bit. Um, you know, medium carb level, just really a, an all day drinker. It's only 4.8%. Um, there's a little bit of a crystal malt in there, just enough to give it a kiss. Uh, then the hops are titanang, and then there's, I think, middle fruit and magnum in there as well. Um, but yeah, it's just a everyday drinker that I could just drink all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day drinking i don't know if you got that part but there you go now and is it, is, what do you guys call it kolsch of the con is that am I yeah so like that? the actual can label will just say kolsch um but like in the tap room we're going to call it the kolsch of con that's kind of a double entendre so obviously the wrath of con is from star trek um not that i'm a huge like star trek fan or anything but david con our assistant brewer who is one of the hardest working people i know um and if you see him stack kegs three high you'll know exactly what i'm talking about um but kind of the the wrath of con is this just actual strength dedication to putting out our uh, wonderful beers so it's kind of an ode to him as well uh, and also i guess if you drink too many of them you can also feel the wrath of con or the culture of con <laughs> uh, but yeah so that's kind of like the the the, the name and the background on that what do you guys think yeah. about it yeah, I can definitely taste a little bit of sweetness that you're you're saying. Um, so you said it maybe has a little bit of a pear taste to it. I mean, it's maybe more subtle, but I mean, there's not a lot going on in that beer, right? I mean, it's just no. Pilsner malt, so like, there's not a lot of different complexity in terms of grain bill. Yeah, um, and there's a little bit of like spiciness. This, I think, this batch is a little bit more spicy than the last year. Um, I still wanted, like I said earlier, about put my own identity on it, even though I wanted to brew an authentic Kolsch, I still wanted to have some kind of flair to it. So the IBUs are a little bit higher on the spectrum. Um, okay. The ABV is like, I think I said 4.8, but it's actually 5%. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit higher in alcohol. Um, but I think I just kind of rounded it up in terms of what the average beer consumer is kind of looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, maybe because I've had beer previously today, but um, <laughs> I, the first the, this is the first beer I had this morning. So I, I know we were going to talk about it, but um i get a little bit of a pear and like i said yeah. there's a little bit of crystal malt in there just uh you know like two percent you know it's something so, crazy. I, yeah i guess it has a little bit more flavor colds than what you're used to other exactly. breweries yeah um i feel like i'm gonna have to take the dog out because i think she just got her squeak ball oh no thank god it's just the tennis ball <laughs> <laughs> the other ball is like squeaky like it's awful i was just like oh <laughs> shit um but yeah no i i uh i like this beer and it's gonna be like kind of something that i'm always gonna tweak you know, we hope to get reverse osmosis water too, since we don't like have well water and we're 
kind of at the mercy of two different sources for water in Lexington for breweries. So we're either getting it from Jacobson Park or from Georgetown and they kind of change their methods of sanitation. So like you could get a completely different or a blend of all these water um, or these things in the water. Um, so an RO system would really kind of help me ensure that there's as few amount, few parts per million of calcium as possible um, to kind of really smooth out that finish, uh, make it a little bit brighter and crisper. Um, but again, I'm always a perfectionist, so. I so you can taste the, you can taste a huge difference from those different water sources. I can tell because, like for example, um, well, yeah, in terms of just the water, um, you really tell in the final product because when you brew in the wintertime versus like brewing in the summertime, the water is just so completely different from runoff of things that are on the you know the on the road, uh, just. Yeah. getting it from different places it really changes the entire flavor of the beer like i've brewed a pilsner and it was just not as good as it was when i made it in the summer but maybe that's yeah. only me and maybe that's just anecdotal. who knows <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting though i would have never thought that that was even an element to it so that's that's very interesting yeah i mean that's that's why like when i started you know really going crazy brewing when i came back from germany in 2015 and you know i built this lab in my house I was like, I want to, I want what I want RO water. I want to start with a blank slate. So that's like the only variable you can control as a brewer is what's going into the beer, like in terms of the water uh, minerals. So like you can obviously pick different grain suppliers. Um, you can, you know, for specialty malts or base malts or whatever, you can kind of like pick where you're going to get your hops, but you're kind of at the mercy of whatever store you're going to get them online when you're a home brewer. And then yeast, obviously, you know, if you pitch healthy yeast, you're going to be, you know, fairly happy and you control the fermentation temperature. But yeah, water, I mean, that's the only thing you really can control. Um, so I'm hoping that we can get RO water in the future for our Pilsners and our Kolsch. I think, it, like I said, it would really help crisp it, make it more crispy and, and uh, not as harsh because it won't have as much calcium. There's so much calcium in the water. And we'll drink mm. the Dunkel later tonight. I know you guys have all had the Dunkel, but it really, does well because of that calcium in the water okay yeah that makes i guess that makes sense because you know if you ever know anything about like moonshine or distilling mm -hmm. they always say that you know the limestone water is the best so, yeah it's all that calcium man seriously yeah. it really kind of helps mm -hmm. uh, i mean obviously there's some other compounds in there as well uh, but yeah it's just so like you can go from being 30 parts per million to like 70 parts per million it's like doubled in just a month time and you're like how in the hell did that happen so can you taste more of an effect in that uh in some beers than others like more in the cold than maybe in the darker beer or does that a does that have that dramatic of an effect i guess like the way i would explain it is like have you had like pills or your kill like from the source or like a, mm -hmm. a, a pills are from czechia it's mm -hmm. like you can really taste like how soft it is um like for me like having the kolsch in germany and drinking it here it's definitely more harsh on the the palate than it is over there of course they're using well water i think the part of the i don't know if it's german purity law but it's like you have to get your water from a natural spring if you're gonna brew mm. which is awesome i wish we that could is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's not gonna happen obviously for us a little too late yeah not in downtown lexington <laughs> no no but i mean with the colch though I, I i like it because i i miss 
the Lexington Brewing's culture. That was one of my first beers when I got into Lexington. I just loved it. Same. Um, so so I, I, I like to see one be back and I, I love this. I mean, you know, there's, you know, there's the strawberry Kolsch that West six does, um, but no one does like a, like a true Kolsch in Lexington. I know atrium does their Kolsch, which I don't remember what they call that now. Is it just called Kolsch? anyway um but yeah there's not like a lot of people brewing this kind of style of beer when i think that you know you look at the product portfolio for blue stallion this is like perfect beer to add to the product portfolios when i gotta say i'm i was excited to see it uh in a can here today because when i think of a colch i think of like laying in a pool which mm-hmm. this time of what this time of year it's kind of perfect to, to be in the float and and be drinking oh yeah this, well we're this doing is a, a great la- summer beer we're doing a label for it as well um we met today about it um so I was just going to say Kolsch on it, but just to give you guys a little teaser. So um, the Wrath of Khan, right? The Kolsch of Khan. So David is kind of a huge part of this beer, um, but he loves like uh, old tractors. And there's a brewery, Erzquell Brauerei, that makes Zuntkesch in Germany. And on one of their flyers, it has a guy on a Porsche um, tractor. And it says... Uh, Mina Cabio, Mina Beer, which means basically like this is my style of uh, convertible and this is the beer that I drink. So it's like a beer for the working man, for the farmer. And since he loves tractors, I wanted to get like him <laughs> as a cartoon character on because he has an old uh, international harvester. Um, what the heck is the name of that? Something cub, farm all cub from like the 60s or something. And it's all red. And I just want to get him and it's like Dickie's. <laughs> you've seen david right he wears that yeah. dickies yeah. jumpsuit which is just awesome uh, but i want him in his dickies you know you know jumpsuit and sitting on that tractor like and holding a beer and say something along the lines of like my convertible my beer kind of very similar <laughs> ode to like my you know uh trip to germany but also like that beer style and also his just dedication to work ethic that's awesome well, like that's that. awesome i can't uh, wait to see that yeah <laughs> but yeah this this will be the beer you know hopefully then it gets in cans and like people are drinking this poolside or just whatever honestly i guess yeah. it's starting to become football season so if you want to tailgate I mean, it's also another beer mm-hmm. don't have to ask me twice <laughs> now brandon you're a little quiet down in that corner there what are you thinking yeah i mean i mean it's it's awesome beer i mean i love it um it's you know a lot of times when i the experiences I've had with cold styles, it's either it it's it's supposed to be really smooth, really light, like you know, just one of those crushable beers. Mm. A lot of times it gets really kind of bitter, too spicy on the back end. Uh, but this for me, it's very <clears throat> I love it. Um, thank you, man. You could drink I mean, I could drink 12 of these and not even think about it, but you know, maybe next year we'll do this and just to kind of hit on that is like you know these little small Kolsch glasses I mean that's how they're traditionally served over there I don't know if you've ever seen like they serve them in like this little uh carrier and it's got like 10 or 15 or however many on there and they'll bring them to your table because like obviously you could just shoot that right um but I would love to do something like that where you could like order a instead of a flight it would be like a container full of all these little individual Kolsch glasses that everybody can just like order for the table. Oh like, yeah. That'd be that's really cool. That would be cool. Yeah. 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 Like the, the glasses you guys have are much more sturdy glass. Um, and it's, it's actually a Collins glass. Um, mm-hmm. but if you order stuff like this, like I have another one of these or I had, I, I accidentally like put in a mug and the handle barely hit it and it shattered it. 
So that's why I want to go with the uh, Collins glass because they're a lot more sturdy that way. Because if you if you try to cheers this thing, you're gonna have glass in your in your hand. I mean, it's it's not a <laughs> it's not a beer you want to cheers. But out of that glass, it's a little bit safer. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Now I, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. You talked about going to Germany and becoming a brewer, like getting into brewing. Is that what got you going, or were you into craft you know, beer before uh, that, or how did all that work? It helped solidify it for sure. Just to answer a quick question. Um, I actually just really didn't get into beer um, until, let's see, like brewing was until like 2013. So I was getting ready to finish up at UK and uh, my brother-in-law, which Derek, um, Derek knows, um, Chase, mm-hmm. he, he works for Norfolk Southern. So he travels for his job. And again, this is back in like tw- 2012. And he, <laughs> he comes back from one of his trips and he's like, bro, you got to open a brewery. And I was like, what? He's like, dude, the beer scene is so crazy out there, man. He's like, that's what I do when I go travel, man. I just go to all these breweries and stuff. And I was like, okay. I was like, I liked beer. But then that's when I kind of started to go to Country Boy in West Six. And I was just, had just opened. And then uh, Blue Stallion the following year. And that's when I kind of had a light bulb pop in my head. Like, why don't I know anything about brewing? Why don't I know anything about opening a business? And then the rabbit hole began. So <laughs> I met a guy and he knew how to brew beer and I showed up his house and, you know, started as any home brewer would just brewing out of, you know, a repurposed keg with the hole cut off the top and then, um, you know, fermenting in buckets. And then we kind of uh, formed a little LLC, which obviously is not open, uh, but Righteous Minds Brewing kind of came what um, became like my personal blog of my brewing adventures from 2013 to, you know, before um, I was let go from my engineering job. But um, yeah, I brewed every year or every year, every week for a year in 2014 with this guy named Logan. And then uh, he kind of went to uh, California and then I kind of started to continue to brew. Um, I kind of exceeded in my job very well and um, went to Germany, came back, built a house. And in the house, I built a lab, which Jonathan, you've seen, right? I, I, Brandon, you haven't seen it, but maybe you have, maybe they've shown you this, but I have like a full lab in my basement, a uh, 15, 10 by 15 room. It's all stainless steel essentially. And I was like, I'm going to try and figure out how to make the best beer that I possibly can. And um you know, that kind of helped, uh, you know, I mean, this is one of those recipes. Um, but, you know, I was, like I said, I was doing engineering at the time. That helped tremendously um, with what I'm doing now. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how I got into beer, was just, like, not knowing anything about it and enjoying it. But, honestly, really, it's what kind of kept me in it is I realized how good of a community of people um, there are, how like-minded people kind of congregate um in these kind of settings and i felt like i kind of wanted to be a part of that where it was more progressive thinking or just like-minded people um that was kind of all centered around craft beer that was carefully crafted i like that i like that and then now i'm gonna i was gonna ask another question but i feel like we should go to another beer so up next you're gonna make me chug man come on now well you you, you, you can hold on to it i I know Well, I mean, no, he's got plenty too. You do have two people over there. I mean, I can give some to Stella, but I'll sell you one. Uh, for the record, we both cracked open our own. <laughs> the next one is the uh, the bruised orange. Yeah. Yep. So I figure we'll we'll grab the bruised orange now. Brandon, this is his favorite beer, but as I told him, you decided to switch things up a little bit. I guess 
because you I were did. a t- tinkerer and you just you know that perfectionist mm-hmm. so can you talk about what you did with the newer recipe but also why a bruised orange uh pilsner because I, I think that is a unique style as well um first before we we kind of go into that i want to give um brandon flown an ethereal um mad respect um he helped me kind of dial in this recipe um you know i had complained to him that it was the only beer on the menu that i wouldn't order um and i mean that that's just how it was even the even the assistant brewer we were not a fan of it uh i think the first batch that it came out like way before i was there was really good and uh it just never was up to snuff or honestly we just again we just didn't like it so i was complaining to him about it and he had apparently been thinking about it himself like i guess on his own volition uh and we said we had a couple beers and we talked about some processes and different ways of extracting a flavor that we think would be a better suit for this beer i'm gonna try and chug this culture real quick so i can crack this open because i feel like i gotta <laughs> at least drink it while i'm talking about it right <laughs> you know i i I like to like save some beer for later. <laughs> I don't know. Over here, we've got plenty to go around. <laughs> I, I did warn Jr. that you know there would be some drinking tonight uh, when we chatted earlier as he was getting all these beers ready. So you know, so I'm I'm doing my part here to let you you chug <laughs> and uh, you know don't forget water. Hydrate yourselves while we go. <laughs> oh yeah, um, drink responsibly. <laughs> side tangent. I, I had a. Uh, old bull uh over doing a collaboration with him and i don't know if you know ken mattingly over there but we were arguing over what's the best drink in the world and he was like beer and i said no water water is the best drink like this is a fun conversation sorry yes (laughs) drink water but onto this beer um (laughs) but more importantly got in the uh, anniversary glass here but um yeah so i think you can tell it's it's more hazy um than it was before um, and that's, I was going for this and it, it's going to be a byproduct of just how we treated this beer. So, um, essentially what Brandon and I, uh, kind of agreed on, um, was kind of fermenting this beer. Like I basically just made a, a brand new batch, like in terms of the, you know, the mash, the bill, the grain, all the grain bill. Um, so it's essentially a Pilsner, um, that I then fermented with tangerine and blood orange puree um to still get those orange um flavors i'd actually take a sip here and there's a little bit of aromatic oil on it too so like i don't know if you guys still smell the blood orange but mm-hmm. yeah when i first poured it you could you got a, a very strong um whiff of, of that essentially i just i want this to just be like an orange pilsner yeah uh, i think the tangerine really helps with uh, making it seem more organic i think before it didn't taste organic and that's why we didn't like it, it we could tell that it was uh, we were trying to use an essential oil for flavor and essential oil should be used for aromatics so uh, brandon i guess since this is your favorite beer is this uh is this good is this bad <laughs> dump it all? put you on the spot well the um <laughs> as as uh jonathan and emily and derek knows i'm a blood orange junkie when it comes to anything that's brewed with blood oranges. So now having probably had 50 or 60 of the last version, um, mm-hmm. then this one is, I mean, it's head and shoulders better for me. Like well, that's good. 
It's literally like, I'll be honest with you. Don't sound so surprised. I will say the last one though was if you drink for me, if you drink like three or four of them, but I loved them so much and I really cared. But if I drank three or four of them, it would get really sweet. Um, and you could just kind of tell it was that, that flavor of sweetness would come in yeah, uh, pretty good on the back end. But this right here is like way more refreshing. Yep. It's really crisp for me. Um, and I could smell a lot. I could smell, to me, it smells like I can smell like the zest of the orange. Yep. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, you, you're going to ferment out all those sugars in that puree, but you're right. going to still have all that like oil left over. Um, you know, it's kind of like how, nah, it's a completely different process, but like how gin will vapor distill to extract essential oils into their gin or whatever it is. Um, it's a little different. Um, I also added a little bit of wheat. So it's not a true like a uh, pilsner. It's kind of almost like an American pilsner. The wheat just kind of helps with the body um, <clears throat> to kind of help with those, kind of balance out those, uh, you know, the tangerine, the blood orange puree in there. Um, but I mean, honestly, it's, I've had people tell me that they've loved the old one and then they'll have, they'll have this and they'll be like, yeah, it still tastes great. Like they, <laughs> they tell I'm like, mm, that's weird, but okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thanks Brandon. The, the fact that you said that you can taste it, you know, difference. That's, that's I awesome. can tell, I can tell a big difference in it. Um, again, this one's, this, it seems like it's way it's, it's super crisp. It's, you, you can tell it's fresher, I guess it, it would be a good word for me. Uh, it's just that really crisp, really fresh, super smooth. You get that you get those that hints of the orange and the tangerine coming through, but it's not overpowering at all. This is going to sound super weird. My favorite part about this beer is when I when I burp. I <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I want I want to drink more of that. Like, I, <laughs> I got know, a little sometimes... nervous. I wasn't sure where you were going with that because I felt like you were almost whispering. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of a, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, I like when I burp after a beer. Most time, most time you're like, oh, that's awful. I don't. Uh, but no, this is like a, it's refreshing. Oh, um, you burp. Uh, yes, so I burp. When did you change this recipe? Uh, I brewed it. I have my computer up. I'll just tell you. <laughs> this it just came out this past weekend. So oh, it okay. Just, okay. Oh, that's like brand brand spanking new. Let's see. That I would be new. This. <laughs> <laughs> when the hell did I brew this thing? Uh, I brewed it on July first. So, do so, you have the new recipe in cans yet, or just on grass? Uh, so the issue with the can label um, is that it doesn't show that it has puree in it, and I don't know if anybody has any like issues with that. So, for me, just to make sure that everything is as transparent as possible, uh, we're redoing the can label. So you mean uh, you don't want to get a marker and write on every can label? <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. Dude, when I did the first barrel-aged beer and we put a little spot on our bottles, like number one of however many, and then I went through and labeled them all, uh, no. <laughs> That's a no. That's a negative. So, um, yeah, so obviously John Prime, this was a beer that was designed like in terms of like, what the flavor was going to be, what the name was going to be, what the label looked like. This was something before me. So it's like one of those uh, beers that I've had to kind of tweak and put my own little, uh, you know, flair on. 
but the new label will kind of essentially be very similar to what is currently um, on the label. Obviously, it's a John Prime reference, so it has some uh, characteristics of his album artwork um, and uh, and whatnot. But it's going to be a little different. Just okay. So I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Just give us a couple of weeks. Um, it's already on tap, but um, we'll hopefully can some the new label in a couple of weeks. Okay. And, and and we'll we'll touch too on on your canning uh, line that you you guys now have. But yeah, before I even ask that question, you know, obviously we've we've talked now just through two of the four beers tonight, and it's been both of them have one has been your recipe, but another has been one that you've kind of tweaked. I know you've done that with the heffy as well. What's it like trying to balance that of something that people have loved, and then putting your own spin or at least kind of bringing it up into kind of current standards with kind of what's on the market and things like that like how how do you balance that because i feel like that can be tough because you might piss off the old everyone that loved the older version and and that could also go wrong oh no um i had some of those genuine fears but you know again uh, before i even say what i'm gonna say uh, i want to thank the the donnelly brothers um for letting me completely uh operate that business uh to my standards and um, essentially giving me carte blanche and changing whatever I wanted to. Um, I mean, they let me change the house lager strain completely, which is, I mean, if, you, if you're thinking, you know, from a brewer standpoint or a business standpoint and that not pissing off your consumer aspect, that's a very crazy thing to just come in and change. Um, and also all the beers, but, you know, essentially what they allowed me to do is brew the batch one time and then see how the system works, see how the, um, the efficiencies are affected from batch to batch. Cause they, they can, they can differ. Um, you know, if you brew a Hellas versus a Russian Imperial stout, Russian Imperial stout, your efficiency is going to be terrible. Um, but you know, a Hellas, you're, you know, it's just Pilsner mold. You're going to get full extraction, uh, essentially out of that. Um, but I brewed it once and then I was like, okay, I did, I did what you said, but now I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do water chemistry. I'm going to change the yeast strain. I'm going to like change the percentages of the grain. I'm going to make sure all these different ingredients are added and that there was actually no like paper copies for anything. And that's really weird to me. Cause I guess I'm a type a person. So like, I was mm-hmm. like, how in the hell do I know if I'm making the same <laughs> beer anyway that they're making? I don't even think they knew except for the flavor profile. But the thing is like, I kind of kept seeing this thing happen over and over again where I would, you know, really go out in the tap room and I would see people's reactions to the Dunkel that had been around forever or the Hefeweizen that I can, I, I literally threw away the entire Hefeweizen recipe. I looked at the owner. I said, can I please change this? He said, yes, I threw it all away, rebuilt it brand new. And it's one of our best sellers. I mean, I think it sells better than any beer that we have on the menu. Uh, and it's been a very tiptoeing balance of making sure that I'm not pissing off those consumers, but also like holding up to my standards of quality. I think that industrial engineer in me from my previous job, this is where this kind of comes into play. Uh, it's kind of led me to follow specific SOPs and brew beer in a specific manner, because I feel like if I am brewing beer to a very high standard, I'm not going to piss off the consumer at the end of the day because they're going to get a better product. And I, that's, that's kind of where like, you know, the bruised orange, for example, is that like, I was able to come in, change it, 
and Brandon as a consumer sitting here is saying he likes it. So it's, it's been very uh, rewarding. Um, but it's also, I still have to be cautious. I don't want to, you know, change the dunkle like completely. And people are like, that's not the same thing. Like, what is this? And then they're just not buying our product anymore. Or like, Hey, the Chick Pilsner tastes weird. Like, why did he, why did he change the hops all of a sudden? Um, but I think I've done a really good job and I it really just, it's really just holding myself accountable and uh, following SOPs and making sure I can make the best beer that I can with the equipment we got. Cause it's from the nineties and it's unforgiving. But it works. Jerry, I got to say, though, that kind of speaks volumes to you that the owner said, yes, please make those changes. And it's really obviously is working out pretty darn well. So, so uh, that, yeah, I, I think, think that that also doesn't go without saying that that speaks volumes to, to what you've done, too. I, I've been uh, very fortunate and very blessed. I think that my innocence was robbed working for a German company for eight years and just following a very rig- rigorous working environment. And I, I think applying that same mythology. Um, into this setting and just having a love for craft beer has made me produce something good that they feel like I can completely change and do whatever I want at this point. It's, it's, it's really crazy. It kind of blows my mind. Cause like a few years ago, I was like, this would have never happened, but here, here we are talking about it. It's just, it's still, it's still kind of a, like a dream, you know? I, I love to hear that. And what's it like kind of carrying on what Corey and Xavier and, the whole gang of, of owners of Blue Stallion started and then to build a, upon that because that's really what you're doing. They laid a good foundation. Now you're building it up and um, kind of, you know, taking it into the. I think what know, they, the what century. they had, what they had, um, you know, worked um, like the Dunkel did very well because of the water chemistry and that recipe is really fucking good. Um, <laughs> but like they, they did a very good job of like setting uh, the groundwork for me. I mean, what I, one of the things that I'm just happy that they've let me do is redesign the the logo, the presentation. And I think that now we're coupling good product with a clean, simple logo. I mean, Derek's here wearing the shirt, which I'm surprised I'm not. I'm, maybe he should be working for Blue Sign, not me. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, we've coupled good product with great branding. And, you know, we have our new social media person, and I think they do a really good job. Um, Sawyer, shout out to shout out to them, um, but yeah, kind of ushering in that new that new wave, which is funny because that was one of the beers, Infinite Wave. That was one of the beers that I brought for my job interview. I brought a Kolsch, a Kentucky Common, um, a New England IPA, and a Pilsner. And except the Kentucky Common, they've all been on the menu. And you know, I was about to say, I didn't think that one had made it yet. <laughs> yeah, I have a Kentucky Con recipe. I just haven't, haven't brewed it yet. We have all these other beers and um, yeah, I only have so many tanks. <laughs> um, but, you know, just to kind of finish your question is like, I, it's it's been nice that they laid this foundation and they've been so trustworthy um, about letting me change everything. Um, even the logos. I mean, all the new label designs, we're gonna drink the dunkel later but I mean, if i hold if i held the, the old one next to this like you would want to pick this up off the shelf this looks you know finally appealing um and I, I always felt weird when i was there brewing the beer i was like i feel like all this hard work that i'm doing is not presented on the 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 very you know back end um so it's been it's been cool kind of doing this whole brand refresh we started in november of last year and it's a slow rollout uh it's very time consuming and it's a lot of work and you know we're meeting twice a week 
you know, then we're, you know, figuring out color schemes, um, which I'd love to show you the Oktoberfest label. That's <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> I've seen it. It's, it's nice. Um, this will actually, so the, the, the actual logo, I'm, I'm going to show this on my phone. It might be super bright, but the actual Blue Stein logo will be black. Just give it a second to kind of. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It, it almost looks three-dimensional. If I can get it to, yeah, but yeah, the Blue Stein logo will be black, but you know, it, it, it's going for very on the nose. You know, our, our moniker is boldly traditional and we're, we're a non-frills brewery. Like we do some cool shit. We do some sours. We do some fruited IPAs and shit, but like we just go for classic. This is the, this is what the expectation for this style is. Um, like the Kolsch, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it's been fun. Um, kind of redoing it um, to my liking and them just allowing me to. I, I was going to say the, the bruised orange Pilsner, I, I don't remember having the original one as much, and that could just be because you know, like some of the other beers. Well, oh yeah, there's a certain beers I, I gravitate He's towards. He's a go-to kind of person. You know, I'm a you know, what you get is what you get with me. Um, <laughs> that's the best way to put that. Um, but no, this is True. delicious, as you can see. Um, pretty much honestly, with it all. I'm not. I'm not trying to be whatever, but I'm liking this more than the Kolsch right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, but see, the thing with the Kolsch is like that's like my shift beer, right? It's like. I'm like hard at work. I'm sweaty. I'm gross. Like I'm drinking that beer. Like they were just like chilling. This is a good chilling beer. No, I, I, I like that a lot. And and now we're going to, unless everyone needs to catch Whoa, up. I mean, on. hold on. Look at this. I, well, I can't go this fast. Okay. Okay. While she drinks it, I'm going to give a funny story. So, okay. Perfect. Uh, and it was about, a, it was about, um, thank you, JR, for Germany. supporting my drinking. <laughs> No, so like there's these, the cultures and serving these small glasses, right? And I went to this festival. And this is kind of a two-part story. I go up to the uh, the tenant or whatever you want to call it um, to hand out tickets for this uh, carnival or whatever. And I get, I was like, I'm going to get 10 tickets, like 10 beers. It's like, that's, that's a pretty good amount. And this guy that I was friends with, he was actually a farmer. He's like 21 years old. Of course, you know, drinking age over there, 16. Um, big guy, very big guy. I mean, like he could play play football over here big hands like muhammad ali like just incredible <laughs> anyway he comes like dancing over to me like and he's got like in his meaty meaty claws he's got these like like almost like a cartoon like the tickets hanging from his fists and they're like hanging down to his kneecaps and he comes right over to me he's like how many tickets did you get and i was like i got i got 10 what did you he's like i got 50 i was like holy <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> and then we proceed to treat that night and then like they knew I'm American. So they give me a Kolsch. I'm like, okay. And then I drink one and then they hand me another. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll shoot this one. And then I'll drink that one. And then I start drinking this one. They give me another one. Then I have two. And I was like, okay, I'll just drink that one. And then like, I couldn't drink them fast enough. So they started to like multiply. So then I had like one in each finger. And then I had like two on the table. And so like, literally, like I just drank them all. And then I just left. Cause I was like, these guys are going to kill me, dude. I can't. So I had like probably 10, maybe 15 in like a 30 minute window. It was not, it was not good. <laughs> um, hopefully that story was long enough to buy you a drink there. Oh, Brand, Brandon, come on, all y'all. Like, I, I want everyone to know though, Brandon. What? It's not me that's taking Whatever. us, that's making us take our time here. I mean, y'all know that I'm professional, okay? So I, I will, I will get it together. 
So now we're going to go on to the third one. Alexapolitan. You want to grab this? Yes. Yes, right. I can. Right. This is actually the old label. Um, out of all the old labels, this is the only one I liked. I, I like it. And it's funny, too, because our daughter was literally wearing a dress the other day that looked like she would be the perfect model. So if you're looking for a small child to model your beer, we've got it. Whoa. About a underage. Whoa. Her mother has to consent to that. <laughs> but we do you have this shirt. Drink it. <laughs> yeah. So no. I, I actually tried this earlier when I stopped by the, the brewery. And man, it is sour. <laughs> oh, yeah. That line. So I'm going to love it. Then. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good. Yeah. It, it made my jaws, uh, I guess, tight. So doing it now. I feel like your jaws are clenching up now. Just probably thinking about it. So, for those that don't know, the Lexapolitan is a Gosa. Style yep. pomegranate lime hibiscus. Now, did yeah, you do so anything to this this recipe? Either, I did. Or? I did. <laughs> so there's a theme. There's, there's a theme here. There's a theme. There is not a beer on the menu that is has been brewed the same since I've gotten here, <laughs> except for the ones that you brought, or even, even those that, that you tinkered. Even that, I've changed those. Like, I mean, dry hopping schedules. I still, I know you want to go play. Um, dry <laughs> That's hopping all right. schedules. She, uh, Got a little bit of sour face over here, a little lemon, lemon head, war, warhead face. <laughs> yeah, so I actually wanted to make this a little bit more uh, shelf stable because I want to put this in cans and uh, can this on our candy line that we can talk about in a minute. Um, yeah, so this is a pomegranate lime and hibiscus. Um, I fermented the puree instead of adding it post fermentation, uh, and then after that, I aged it on hibiscus flour for a week. And then made a tea with it. I think that's fantastic. I love it. Like it's crushable. Cause like last time, like I feel like when I made this, it was almost like a little bit too uh, messy. There's a lot of there's a lot of like particulate in the glass. Like this is now just a very solid representation of what this should have been. What in my taste? What am I tasting in the front? Like I'm getting lime at, at the back, but it might be might be hibiscus flower. Okay. Uh, so it's weird sometimes uh, with certain people's palates. You might taste like cinnamon. I'll have the cinnamon taste. Okay. Sometimes like key lime will give like a cinnamon flavor for some huh. reason. Yeah. So. Uh, the new label is done. It's just we have all these old labels, which still work perfectly. So we're going to use the rest of those and then switch over to the new one. That's our. That's also kind of hard, hard to kind of uh, juggle the logistics of all these new labels, designs. But then you have like old stock, so you kind of like run the old stock, but still order the new ones in time to still have it, so you're not without a label. Um, what do you guys think about this? I, mean, I like it. it. I like sours. Yeah, it's one. The one I tried in the tap room was really sour for some reason. This one's a little bit lighter on the sour side. Brandon, what do you think? You like sours? Surprisingly, I like. I mean, it depends on the sour, but typically I don't gravitate to them because I sometimes they're just way too sour for me. But I think this one is really good. Um, Thank you. You know, um, it is sour. 
but I, you know, like Derek mentioned, but I don't, it's not too sour for me. I think the first drink it was, I was like, Ooh, okay. But then now after that, I've had three or four more or five drinks, it just kind of mellows out a little bit. Yep. Um, it, for me, it's got a weird, I don't know what it is, but. Uh, it's probably pomegranate. Pomegranate's weird. Pomegranate's yeah. a weird flavor. But it's weird in a good way for me because it reminds me of like a fruit punch Gatorade is what it kind of reminds oh, me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is, but. Um, I mean, Maybe that's you, good. You could throw in some electrolytes in this and then man, <laughs> you can brew it with lawnmower some beer legit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a healthy beer. Yeah, there you go. Hey. Hydration. I uh, I'm a much more of a fan of this. Like I'm, I was going for a crushable. We made 15 barrels of this, so we're gonna have this around for a while. Again, I want to do a lot of cans of it. Um but yeah, I I think this year uh, the just the shelf stability to me has been kind of something that I've been trying to chase since I've gotten there. I'm a process guy essentially at heart, so like I'm always changing everything. You, no I mean, you don't want the uh, was it pints and panels that does the uh, everything's okay sitting there as the uh, you know fruited beer explodes all explode. around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, knows? like you don't want this that. will not explode in a can. Like this, this <laughs> is not this is not going to happen. Same thing with the bruised orange. Like I'm I'm trying to put this stuff on shelves, man. Like yeah. And like, it's one thing to do like a test batch or like a small run and do like something super crazy. Uh, and I don't know. We we actually have. Um, I'm gonna say one other thing before I go into that. Uh, Brandon, you probably also like this beer because I know you said you're not a huge sour person. It is a Goza, another German style, but I think the wheat malt in there kind of helps give it some body, so it's not so sharp sour. It's a little bit more full body sour. That kind of compliments it in a good way. Um, that makes perfect sense to me now that you say that. I hadn't picked up on that before, but now that you say that, that really, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, well, that, like my first, um, you know, a lot of people will say sour, but Gosa and sour are cousins, yeah, cousins yeah, to me. Yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. Um, but like I, the Sierra Nevada, the, the Gosa that they used to, uh, you know, brew was one of the first that I had gone into. And like you said, it's more, a full-bodied beer you know that's not a, right yeah um, you know so like pucker up <laughs> that's like the patch face. kids like the patch kids essentially is a soured hellas i mean it's literally a hellas that was purposely kettle soured and so it's gonna be a lot more sharp in terms of the sourness um, than something like this oh um and that's what i was gonna so actually i brewed another batch of goza which then i split into the tropical goza um and i know you got a thing on here talking about what's coming up next. So the tropical Goza will come out next week. And then I have a fall Goza. It's going to be rhubarb, apricot, and black. Oh, yep. Sorry. Me, just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what day? <laughs> you had me at rhubarb, but then you can't. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, if you, if you can, if you can give me a good name for that, then uh, maybe I'll, I'll give you a, a, a can of it. <laughs> challenge accepted <laughs> yeah because like i was we were going for like fall vibes because rhubarb just came in season and i was like what goes with rhubarb apricot really helps it well rhubarb you immediately reminded me of a pie that we make in in our family yes. so yes i was automatically going to like you know granny's recipe here so <laughs> what's the name of the pie 
strawberry rhubarb pie. <laughs> I'm trying That's to help you get your name. Yeah, was like, I almost, we almost had a name there. I know. Yeah. I could go grab I could go grab Annie Boo Harris's recipe book real fast. She's got all kinds of Southern charm in there. <laughs> it's a handwritten re- recipe book. What was her name again? Annie Boo. <laughs> there you go. Name mm-hmm. it there. They're from Annie the Boo. South. They're from the South. <laughs> <laughs> Annie Boo Goza. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, what one thing I wanted to do with this beer that I didn't get around to doing, just because I'm still new to our barrel program, because um, I've had to give it life. It had nothing. I had to give the thing CPR, uh, or just I just let it die and then just had a new one born. However you want to look at it, <laughs> but I wanted to rum barrel age the Lexapolitan. I think that would have been cool. Hmm. Yeah, a few months in a rum barrel. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I might still be able to... Eh, well, it's, it's already carbonated. There's no fucking way. I don't know. <laughs> if I think if you did that, I my husband would make it up the stairs at the end of the day. <laughs> We'd be leaving this uh, interview and be going up the stairs alone. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, know, I know, Jonathan, unless you want to need to kind of just talk about it or if you want to say anything about it, but uh, the barrel program. Well, I was going to ask because you know we've we've talked about this. I know know that's something you've been been working on a lot. I mean, with the uh, what have, what have you you called it the uh, boss battle series? Boss battle series. So starting a barrel program because you know people think oh it's simple. Really, it's kind of not because as anyone that drinks bourbon knows, you put it in there and it's time. You got to do time, and then you got to hope what you get get out of it is good. Or that you can mix it with something to salvage it. So what's it like on the beer side of that? Because you're taking barrels from potentially a bunch of places. Because um, it's not like you can get, sometimes you can, you can get a lot of barrels from, from one place. But like you said, you're looking at rum, you're looking maybe at tequila or other so, things that you can age different, in like different char levels or yeah, weeded like, barrel or like. You know, rye, mean, all sorts of different things. So, like, how does that, so how does that work for, for you? And as you're building up the. The, the barrel program because uh, obviously at the end of the day you you, you got to have time and you got to let stuff age what's that been like i'm a i'm a very humble person and uh i will be completely honest i had absolutely zero fucking idea what i was doing when i started the barrel program because i had <laughs> never put a beer in a barrel in my entire life of my almost 10 years of brewing just because when you're brewing at home or on a small scale, you're never really going to find a barrel. It's gonna, not going to be worth your time. You're going to you know, soak some oak chips and some bourbon and then kind of use that to extract the flavor. You're never actually going to put fresh beer on a freshly dumped barrel. Uh, so, you know, with this, with Blue Stallion, I, I took what was kind of currently uh, existing, which was their Boss Battle series, which I like because... I'm a video game nerd. So like all these characters and stuff and like just changing the characters because Nintendo gets really weird about IP theft, changing the characters just enough. So it's completely different. Uh, and then releasing some stuff has really been kind of cool in terms of the presentation, I think the bottles. I mean, even, you know, this, this glass we put out for the, you know, the nine coins and the super Dolly bros, which was, <clears throat> that was the most successful barrel age beer that we released That super Dolly bros was incredible. That was like one of my favorites, man. Thanks, man. I I, uh, I have a little bit more that I'm going to put on tap for Oktoberfest. Just save them all for me. Save them all for you? Yeah. I like the, I like <laughs> the bottle. Like, what? 
I like the bottle art too. That was awesome. Yeah, the the the, the labels are really cool. You know, like we're we're trying to you know uh, bring back this like '90s flair to some of this stuff, and I think that's very uh, you know something that people can relate to. I think a lot of people that are drinking beer like this are you know around our age, and we grew up in that era. Uh, but for the barrel program, like honestly, it was a crapshoot. I you know got luckily linked up with a lot of good people it's been so like you know i talked about the beer community earlier and just how embracing it is but like honestly uh, just being in it from my perspective i felt like it was like i was almost like gate kept from the industry for so long and then now that i'm in it everybody's like hey <laughs> you want a barrel i got you come get it and i'm like whoa okay this is weird so you know castle and key for example like holy hell there are some of the most amazing people um friendly people um just they make a really good product i mean the grounds that what what they've been able to do is just a feat itself but them allowing me to kind of get some of their barrels i think that we had the first castle and key bourbon barrel filled with beer in the state so that was cool we put the oktoberfest in it uh, no the martin we put the martin in it <clears throat> which is essentially an oktoberfest um but yeah so i mean with the barrel program it was a it was a crapshoot i you know was experimenting um just putting different beers and and doing something slightly different so i don't know if you've kind of noticed but i feel like when you look at most barrel programs it's heavy stouts or porters and that's it i'm gonna do that and i have done that but i kind of wanted to put the the blue stallion flare on it so like we have a weizenbach you know the war admiral that's aging in a castle and key bourbon barrel the martin for example uh, the, the Schwartz beer. So this is going to be, uh, those two beers, the Schwartz beer, the, uh, those three rather, uh, the Martin, the Weizenbach and the Schwartz beer are all going, those barrel aged beers are going to release for Oktoberfest. So the, uh, the Schwartz beer is going to be, may the s'mores be with you. So it's going to be a s'mores themed, um, beer. The, uh, Weizenbach that's barrel aged is going to be like an ice cream, like, like hot fudge Sunday kind of thing. Uh, the barrel aged Martin, I'm just going to leave it just strictly barrel aged. Um, so there's a barrel aged Oktoberfest option essentially. Um, but we, I, I kind of wanted to like just add, I mean, even with a super Donnelly, it's it's the Donnelly Irish Red, yeah, aged in a four roses barrel, the one I just you know aged on, uh, mm -hmm. toasted coconut, cacao, nymphs, and vanilla. But I just feel like I wanted to add something different so that like you're not you don't have like you know, for me, I don't know how you, you guys seller looks, but I have. 20 30 40 bottles of beer downstairs and most of them are stouts that are barrel aged i'm sorry did you just assume that every married man has a cellar downstairs <laughs> it's not a cellar. this is a basement it's just colder down there it's 65 degrees versus 72 or whatever it is sorry jonathan <laughs> one day one day but but no you are correct though pretty much everything that is put out barrel aged is a stout and as i've done this that's not my style that's her style she loves them I don't, but I love what a lot of European um, breweries have done when they've done some aging. They've done a lighter beer yes. in a barrel, and that has been wonderful, or a rum barrel, or something like that, and not everyone does that, because usually it's like a ghost of what the rum barrel, which I, I love, but right. not everyone kind of does, like what you're talking about, doing some of the lighter styles in a barrel aged, because to me, that's wonderful you bring out that caramel and all that and it's just delicious i will tell you though that the most most brewers look at me like i'm an idiot when i do this shit and i told you it's a crapshoot and i'm learning 
but it's worked out somehow. It's like, <laughs> it's like, they're like, you're putting a 4.8% beer in a barrel? Are you insane? I'm like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> like, let's yeah. go. Like, um, it's okay I'm if paying? it's only 8% or 9%. It doesn't have to be 20%. You need a certain alcohol percentage in a beer to kind of help with uh, things from potentially manifesting in the bottle during the, the aging process so like you typically want something that's like at least six seven percent so to put in like a 4.8 percent beer is like unheard of um but i did it and it's not out yet so it could be bad <laughs> <laughs> that goes back to that timing thing of who knows yep. how, it, how it'll go but no i, yeah, I love that I don't want to compete with other breweries too. Like, I mean, you got Ethereal and they do Baba Yaga. Uh, I mean, you got uh, Miratuna does Chernobyl. Uh, you got all these other places that do stuff. I mean, I'm like, Snake I want to cake just... with West Six. Yes, Snake Cakes with West Six. Uh, what is the barrel program that Rock House does? I can't remember. Um, they have like the Monolith, I think. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I uh, I just wanted to do something that was kind of more in our lane without trying to step on any toes, but also add a little bit of a flair to it. And, you know, what I've seen sell well is when I add just enough adjuncts. Like if I add vanilla, like if I'm just very tender and add something that's just going to help accentuate. I mean, like the Super Donnelly was like literally eating a almond joy. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Did the I, I think that's one of my favorite that you put out lately. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, I literally made that call at the last second. I was like, I'm going to make this barrel-aged bread. What am I going to put in it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to make it sound like it's uh, not as uh, grandiose as possible because, yeah. again, man, I'm, I'm just, you know, a very honest person and very humble person. And somehow it makes up work, and I'm very, very happy. The brewer gods are on my side for some for some reason. I don't know. It must have been those uh, th that time working, you know, for that German company. They mm. they, they mm. felt you've earned it. Um, <laughs> it's true. No, I, 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 I love the beer, um, and and it, they're not paying us to say that. I, I promise. If you're listening, and so as we continue to move on, yeah, we don't have time to do too too long. Our fourth beer is the Dunkel, and how excited are you to? Share you know, uncle. I wanted, I, uh, you know, I told you a little bit when you're at the brewery, I still wanted to have something that was going to be like a staple. Like, I mean, this, this is like the bread and butter, right? Uh, Blue Stallion. This is the beer that made Blue Stallion. This is the beer that will continue to live on. Um, so I'm happy to have been able to recreate the label uh, to something that's a little bit more sophisticated, simple, classy, uh, but also uh, simplistic and, and uh, eye-catching. So I have my... Uh, my stein here. Oh, I should have grabbed my stein. I think I bought this one. I was in the barrel. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you don't have to get up. Do we do a ziggy zaggy ziggy zaggy? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Prost, guys. Uh, so the you know final beer. Uh, thanks again for having me. And uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's try a beer that we've uh, had a billion times, but I thought we coming back to. Yeah, you know, I find myself coming back to this more and more, actually, when I'm at the brewery. Well, you know, too, 
Jagger, when we, when Jonathan and I first moved to Lexington seven years ago, we, Blue Stadium was actually the first brewery that we ever came to. And so it's kind of funny for us that we came and we tried, because you all have the four ounce pours or the, what is it, three ounce, four ounce pours. And so, so I can think back to fondly actually becoming well past intoxicated, (laughs) drinking the, like the four ounce pours and then coming back and back and back over and over to the Dunkel. So we, that was quickly, we saying quickly became a place that we frequented at that time to the point where we literally had our gender reveal and baby shower and everything else at Blue Stallion. So it's kind of funny Uh, that this, this beer is kind of, kind of a staple in our house. (laughs) It's uh, the serendipitousness. Yeah, it is. It's kind of a small world. No, just, you know, I started this podcast, you know, talking about the Kolsch and the serendipity of just like, you know, I'd bought that glass when I was in Germany and stuff. But like, what's hilarious for this conversation is that the serendipitous in this aspect is this beer is what kind of got me into craft beer. And now there you go. It's, uh, it's wild. Um, it's been something that I've, I, you know, hold, held true in my heart. Especially for just Lexington craft beer scene. I mean, I, I really think Lexington just makes mm-hmm. some of those incredible beer, like Mir Twin. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. exploded. Ethereal yep. makes exquisite beer. Even Rock House is fucking killing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, I, I feel like I'm trying to do something. So I hope our, people like our beer. But like, you know, this again, this this is the beer that got me into craft beer, and I've been very blessed to have been on both sides uh, of the, you know spectrum for blue stallion as a patron all the way now to crafting it and then drinking and talking about it hey <laughs> <laughs> obviously um you guys are drinking it so what do you guys think is this is this the is this up to snuff to the old batches absolutely what did you what would did you change anything it was just minor changes to this recipe minor changes. Or, okay yeah so like the the house lager strain is different um which i just think has a better flavor um but the only thing that's really changed is the water chemistry. This is the only beer that's as close to style as all the others, or as, as uh, the, the old stallion, if you will. I, I call Blue Stallion the new stallion when I'm there. I don't know. It's not going to catch on. It's just a thing that I use. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I was like, well, okay, the water's already great, but we could even out the mouthfeel if we add a little bit of gypsum, calcium chloride, Epsom salt, whatever, depending on the water profile. And then, uh, yeah, I think, I think now it's perfect. It could be, could have a little bit better head retention. Um, I'm working on that. Our system is very old. Yeah. Cause yeah, your system old. came from Detroit. Am I correct? A long time ago or somewhere, it, somewhere like, north. and that, and that, and the best part was when I talked to Corey and Xavier and all, all them about that was, that had been around for a while at the brew house up there. It was commissioned in 1997. Yeah. Yeah. So you're technology's come a little way since then? Well, just like, you know, you look at newer design systems and, you know, a part of industrial engineering is like ergonomics. I mean, with that system, you're running up and down the brew stand and around. Like, I mean, you look like you're, you're running around with your head cut off when you're brewing that system. Keeps you in shape. It's younger than all of us, though, so I feel pretty good about that. (laughs) Um, With new systems, like all the valves are like on the brew stand, like so. Essentially, you can make all precision, you know, changes or uh, redirect product from whatever vessel to whatever vessel, all from a very, you know, small 
footprint. Our system is not the case. The, the all the all the temperature probes are not accurate. So I'm like double checking temperatures, um, double checking like flow rates, double checking like the the I'll just like the boil off. Like you know, I'll typically a, a beer should be boiled for 60 minutes to you know 90, depending on what beer you're using. I have to add 30 minutes onto that just to get off the 10% reduction of the you know volume of wort and also to ensure that there's no precursors for anything that could add some off flavors downstream. So it's like it's it's been it's been fun brewing that thing. But you know, it makes again, it makes good beer. Like I hit my numbers perfectly. It's just there's some you know quirks, you know. It's just like, like as we get We're unique. We're unique. Exactly. <laughs> We're all like just you know slightly annoying and then sure sure certain aspects. Great. So, uh, Brandon, Derek, what do you think? What do you think of the Dunkel? Well, for me, I remember when, obviously, Blue Stallion opened. I remember, like, this being, like, the flagship beer from basically kind of day one, right? Yep. Well, you kind of mentioned that it holds a place in your in your heart mm-hmm. because I remember the first time I went to the Hopper House in northern Kentucky, and I had the Dunkel there, and I was just like – and it kind of got me in the craft beer scene. I was like, what, what is this? You know, fresh out of college. And it's like, now I'm seeing this whole new world outside of Keystone Light. And, <laughs> you know, so uh, I tried the Dunkel there and it was like, man, this is the best beer I've ever had. Right. And then not long after that, moved to Lexington and then Boy Stallion, Dunkel, rest is history. And I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. I mean, you, you can't, you can't beat it. And everybody gets kind of scared of it because all oh, darker beer, things like that or whatever, but it's, it's. And if, if you pour this right and if it's made well enough. Yes. It's not going to be heavy. No, absolutely. It's not make you feel bloated. You could have four of these. Yeah. And be happy. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I, I, you're exactly right. So yeah, I, I, I've always loved this beer. Uh, no, you know, any and all variations of it, but you guys do it phenomenally well. You know, it's a little bit uh, different too. Like if you look at the style guidelines, it's, it's a little different and I kind of like it because it's, it's become this thing special in my heart. Right. So like I've had Dunkel in in Germany, right. This is not exactly like one-to-one, but somehow like this has its own lane. And I think like the recipe that they designed, like I guess they were trying to put their own like flair on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it held up like those like toffee flavors, those like caramel flavors. I mean, it's again, it's very light, but like you get a lot of flavor from the Munich malts. It's just a, it's it's a good it's a good crispy donkey boy, which is actually what I was gonna say. I was about to say it. Donkey, donkey boy. boy. On the bottom, it's on the bottom donkey of the boy. Label. It's on the bottom yeah. of the camp. That's right hilarious. Yeah, I so did the, not know that. So, yeah. So, we call this Donkey Boy. Uh, <laughs> <taproom>. um, <laughs> and then we call the uh, the check pills, we call it Crispy Boy. And then uh, for the the Hef- Hefeweizen, we just call it El Hefe because, I mean, why not? Right. But, yeah. It's awesome. It is the and, boss. It is the boss. You know, typically this isn't my type of beer, but I've forgotten how good this is. Like, I haven't right? had it in a yeah, I haven't had it in a long time, and That's it's awesome. Yeah, like 
I felt the same way. Like it's weird because I make this stuff, right? And like, I mean, obviously, I'm drinking it throughout the whole process and stuff. But like, I'd find myself, and I said that I think we cracked this open. I find myself coming back to this beer more often. Like, I'm like, this is really good. Why don't I drink this shit? Right. Well, that was like uh, when we were at the the craft bash, and and you know, we were pouring the Hellas. Yeah. The, the hell is this some of those darker beers that y'all do i don't go to them that's because they're just not normally my style like just right. traditionally it's my job that's yeah that's mm. hers we we have to change beers mm. when people bring us the beers i get the pretty one she gets the they the, automatically the assume style. that he's ordering the darker beer and then they have to trade yes <laughs> but, you know hey look jackie jackie my girlfriend she loves a darker beer she like wants a russian imperial stout she wants a mm. porter. she wants like all that yes stuff. yeah so we, we go through that and then but like the Hellas, this, there, there's several of those darker beers that y'all do that are just friendlier. You know what I mean? Like you, people don't realize how approachable they can be. And, and I love that about what you guys are able to do and what, you, what you've been able to, to bring. Um, you know, you know, essentially, lines. essentially like, again, we're trying to like brew beer, like to like the old way, which is kind of a, part of a marketing thing but also like it's just a pain in the ass like we brew our beer um <laughs> just because everything like lagers for at least 30 days in the tank i mean it sits there for that long um to kind of help everything like precipitate out and like age and just develop some a little bit of flavor um sorry stella just like ran in here i think she really has to go outside <laughs> um, that's all right we watch our child crawl into our bed during this <laughs> oh, okay um <laughs> What was I saying? What were you saying, Jonathan? Just the the approachable darker style of beers yeah. that y'all do, the traditional styles that I think come I really think, from Europe. Germany. Yeah, we like the like the, the Hellesbach, the uh, the Bach Sabbath that we do. Like you know, it's a higher ABV beer, but it's 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 a fully you know attenuated beer. It ferments all the way out. Um, you know, it ages for I think a good duration of time. And it's put into a customer's hand. I think that it's very approachable for anybody, whether you're a dark, you know, beer fan in terms of color or light. So like, you know, you could drink a Dunkel or Hellas and not feel bloated or heavy or all that stuff. It's, it's really nice. All right. Now I've asked a lot of questions. So what does everyone else want to ask JR? You've got him. On record, you can ask him questions. Derek's got a question. All right. So, uh, Patsy Kids, you know, when I first started drinking Blue Stallion, has always been my favorite. And the variants that you've come up with have been amazing. So, there's another one that I haven't seen on the menu in quite some time. And I'm wondering if you'll bring this one back and, you know, add your, your twist to it. Uh, the Smoked Lager. Bro, it's so funny that you said that. Are you kidding me? Wait. <laughs> I, I really, I love, no, I love smoked lager, man. It's awesome. Uh, so you gonna you gonna bring it back? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna brew. I'm only like, gonna I brew. Just did that yesterday. How You've been you know? waiting. No, like I literally, I literally, like yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. I mean, it was See? Sunday, but I'm still working, bro. Seriously, yesterday <laughs> I was like, I need to Stella, Come on. Uh, she's like bringing me the ball uh, <laughs> i have all the uh the grain for it i'm only gonna brew a one barrel batch because i've never made this beer before and i don't want to like make a 15 or a 10 barrel batch of it because the smoke lager ends up becoming like this weird flavored like it's like bacon and then it's ham and then it's like awful 
after yeah. about a Brandon's month. So, like, what about that is awful? <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds delicious. Give me more of it. <laughs> Throw in some maple syrup in there, and then we've got yeah, right. So the smoked lager uh, is going to come back for a limited time. Uh, awesome. I'm going to see how it uh, goes. You know, you're only look you're only looking at like 400 pints of it, but. Um, well, yes. if you want somebody to test it out, let me know and I'll come. Uh, yeah. I'll take 200 and Derek, you can have those two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so, need uh, he's like, more. whoa, should I double that up? <laughs> think, so, Derek, real quick, uh, if we go to Brandon, like, what, what was your favorite Patch Kids flavor? Pink strawberry, blue raspberry, uh, pineapple. I like the one that you let me try today. Uh, pineapple, pineapple mango. mango. Yeah, but uh, strawberry was probably my number one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That was so good. The blue raspberry is very good, but like mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. Right. I'm going to start scaling these and like actually have them on tap all year round. I'm thinking if I can get the pure. You, you think you would ever do like a small can release of these? Of the sour? Oh, yeah. The I, had the, I had the labels already. I just, I mean, the, pro, the, the problem with like from our, my side is like I was like, okay, I'm going to do Patch Kids like kind of like inspired flavors. And I only made like three and a half barrels of each. It sold like hotcakes. So by the time I even got the labels in, I, I didn't even have enough to 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 label. So I was like, well, I might as well just sell it on on tap, brew it yeah. again. Yeah. And then um try and can it. But yes, look forward to those being in cans. I'll be brewing those next month. Okay. Um, and then hopefully have cans again. I'm trying to have these all kind of year round. I'll tell you I mean, another one that I that know come year round. I mean, they're, they're, it used to not be, but they're they're year round now. Yeah, and I know another one that um, a lot of our fall, a lot of my followers liked, were the uh, the Beastie Boys. Uh, yes, the Imperial Sours. Yeah, and those were very limited as well, weren't they? Yeah, so um, we're actually brewing a, a collaborative beer with uh, Scout and Scholar tomorrow. Uh, that's where the Beastie Boys kind of came uh, from, um, which. I want to make sure I tweak those like labels on the Beastie Boys because that is a collaboration beer and it only shows our our logo, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize until after they were printed. I was like, shit, Scotland Scholar is not shown on here. I feel like an asshole. Anyway, um, but <laughs> Lee will yeah. make you pay tomorrow. Just we're, deal well, <laughs> we're going to be making an Imperial Kolsch tomorrow, um, and then I'll talk oh. about the uh, the stuff coming up soon. But um, we're going to brew that Beastie Boys again. I kind of want to have that series released like twice a year if if we have the time. Scott and Scholar is like so rapidly growing. Getting them on the schedule to brew something is damn near impossible. Mm. Um, but uh, yes, the Beastie Boys will come back for okay. sure. And the, and just, the MCA just album releases, always change. You know? Just an album release every year. There, there you, you go. go. That means uh, I get a free beer. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Any other Brandon? questions from yeah, the Brandon? Crew? You got any questions, man? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now I may have known this once upon a time, but I probably drank too many, uh, too much of your beer and forgot about it. But uh, for everybody that's listening who has been to Blue Stallion Brewery or who hasn't been to Blue Stallion Brewery, what is the story behind the Paul Bunyan bar? <laughs> or which story do you want to tell? <laughs> well, I, well, that too. <laughs> like, I mean. And... Uh, i'd be going like a million directions here um you know there's funny stories 
um you know we're the world's tallest bar um you know like oh it's for a horse to ride up to so they can order a beer off the horse or whatever or you can you know just be like hey the guy who built it's a moron or you know whatever <laughs> it's probably that latter uh, of all that uh but no i just the idea was it was supposed to be a standing bar the like one of the owners one of the third owners uh nico schultz German guy, he's like six eight, and the, the slope to the floor, like I mean, you've seen our place, but like there's a there's a serious slope, and it added uh, five inches to the height of that bar. But when they started building it, they started at the corner where it, like the the top of the slope, and they're like, oh, this is perfect, we can sit right here, and blah blah. And so when they built it all the way around, it ended up being five inches taller than it was supposed to be. But still, I was like, wait five inches because it needs to be like a foot lower (laughs) dude there's so many people that come in here like that can barely even see over the bar man my plan is man if if we're we're doing so successful with this canning line acquisition which i mean essentially we're renting it but um it's to redo the bar to redo the whole front of house have a better setup. Whoa, yeah. whoa! You're gonna get rid of the the classic bar. Everybody knows about the high bar, man. <laughs> we tall people love it. <laughs> I don't know if Jr. loves it. Ooh. <laughs> I don't think she loves it either. Look at her. <laughs> She's passed out back there. Anyway, uh, man, fuck that bar. <laughs> <laughs> that bar i want to take a sledgehammer i want to i want to do some uh oh what's oh office space basically i want to office <laughs> space that bar and you know i want to take a sledgehammer i got one at home i'll bring my own sledgehammer man whatever you want <laughs> I, I, demo. Say, I mean with, with that bar height though and kind of the bar setup with what you guys have expanded to now with mike and every mm. everyone on the the bar manager bringing in cocktails everything I don't assume that that's set up correctly, which there might be some people on board with that. Yeah, but I like the the height. Just 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 deal. I with mean, it. think about it from my perspective. I'm a perfectionist, right? So like, I've come in and I've taken their beer and I've changed it and I've changed the labels. I feel like the next step is to change the bar. Ha- have that slowly <laughs> like percolate into the tap room to have a full transformation. Transformation is it gonna is it gonna happen? I don't know. I don't know. We walked in uh, again, circa what, 2015, 2014, whatever it was. And, and we're both fairly tall people. And of course I like to wear tall shoes on top of it, which puts me at six foot or taller. And so I personally feel like that bar was made for us. (laughs) That's that's the other thing though, is that like the people that come in that have never heard of us that live in Lexington or like just move there they're like oh my god never been here before that's such a tall bar <laughs> we <laughs> love it we've been around for nine years we came all the way this this oh man brandon any other questions because you've got the floor uh well i mean i only another question i have but you you mentioned earlier that you were going to talk about some some other things coming down the line but i was going to ask if you've got some cool up-and-coming stuff that nobody yes knows perfect transition or, or if you could even tell anybody, it might be a top secret thing. I don't know. But um, just any any cool brews coming down the line that uh, you want to tell us about because 
I mean, I'm already excited because you've got me drinking four beers. So yeah, <laughs> four beers in an hour plus. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect transition. So um, I'll kind of just like explain, but we're kind of brewing this week with no ETA on the timeline for release, but but also kind of then highlight some other stuff we're doing. So tomorrow we're doing a scout and scholar club that I mentioned, which is the Kolsch um, brewing a milk stout, um, completely Woo-hoo. new beer. Never done a one, um, at least for here. I have a recipe from 2015 that I've tweaked. Uh, I think it's really good. Um, we're doing a Belgian blonde. I don't know if you guys got to try the Goldilocks zone, but it was super popular when I made it. Uh, it was only a one barrel uh, scale. Mm. So we're scaling this up to 15 barrels. Uh, it was that big of a hit. Uh, we're doing an atrium collab next week. We're doing a sour New England IPA uh, with two experimental hops. And I can't remember the, uh, what is the puree? Peach and something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and then I'll yeah, have a good we peach have... nipa. <laughs> it's catching on. Uh, we're doing a, um, <laughs> we're kind of doing two things right now. And I'm, I haven't really kind of figured it out. Um, we're going to start. You know, like again, I talked about like the barrel age series, like staying in our own lane and like doing beer that's like in our realm. So I'm gonna start doing like dry hop pilsners instead of like trying to make like hazy IPAs all the time or like new hops. I want to do like essentially a a party pills line. You guys mm. got to probably try the Keller beer. Maybe so don't call call it a party pills though. Party pills? It just sounds weird. Just saying. Oh. <laughs> it, it, it's everyone loves the name though and it sells very well people like party, party pills? pills i like party pills and so it, it'll be with different hops so like um the one we're brewing next week is the rewaka uh dry hopped version so it'll be party pills with rewaka and the next one will be party pills with motueka or azaka or galaxy or nelson Savin or any of these like uh, new zealand or australian hop kind of categories kind of taking a new twist on European, um, you know, pilsners and just dry hopping them to give them a little bit more characteristic. So those are kind of in the pipeline. We're going to be doing beers with that. You see her bringing toys to me now. Um, give her more attention. Let's see. We have the tropical goza that I mentioned, which is coming out uh, this week. Um, the squeaker is broken. Did you, did you break it? Okay. Anyway, that was a terrible throw. Yeah, the tropical uh, goza, and then trying to find a name for the goza with rhubarb uh, apricot and blackberry um and then let's see what else we're doing a west six collab soon um we're kind of gearing up for our 10-year anniversary which i know is not for almost another year but um trying to do some cool stuff uh with country boy and uh west six um then octoberfest so yeah we our, our octoberfest comes out the second um in cans as well i showed you the label for that and then we'll have some cool barrel aged beers come out for that we'll have a pineapple Oktoberfest come out i have a Oktoberfest test batch beer and then what else am i missing i'm missing like remember, things but yeah. i remember when you all did the pineapple Oktoberfest last year oh my god that was the best one what, from that's so, isn't, it, isn't it so wild that it's that good it should yeah. be that good yeah it was and we were like all surprised <laughs> <laughs> I love all the other breweries, but you all beat it with that one for sure. Thanks, man. All right. It's your turn. You got questions. I've asked all the ones tonight. My only question was, can I get back to you once I review Annie Boo Harris's uh, cookbook on naming the rhubarb? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> sure. 
whatever you want. That's your last that you, you have a chance to. That was my question. big question. Well, so in, in all seriousness, thank you, Brandon. In all seriousness, though, we've we've talked about a lot of different beers, but we really haven't talked any any about one of my favorite beers of yours, period, like to the end of all time, which is the Kama Sumatra. And so I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, do you, you're looking at like, oh, but he's ready. I mean, do we do any more coffee related? I mean, that I know for me, like I'm a huge, any beer that has uh, coffee in the description, it doesn't even have to be in the name. That's probably the first thing coffee I order blonde, off of. Uh, coffee yeah, style, that's the first thing whatever. I order. Yeah, coffee sour. Like answer this question if you'll let me run to the bathroom real quick because I okay. have a perfect answer. Cool, I'll get Annie Boo Harris's cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> we got beer to drink. <clears throat> I'm trying to answer multiple questions. I just my brain just needs to answer one at a time. Um, so the Kama Sumatra, most people will always order it as uh, Sumatra. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kama, can I get the Kama Sutra? Like the Kama Sumatra? Kama Sutra. Yes, Kama Sutra, please, for one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? Anyway, so um that was a beer that was done before me. Um, the porter recipe, actually, I redid the entire porter recipe, and the porter by itself is amazing. Um, and we switched from magic bean coffee because it gives it like this, like almost like peppery flavor to it. But Nate's coffee is actually really good. Um, but I, I'm brewing that milk stout, and I'd love to do coffee mm-hmm. as a variant of it. So coffee milk stout. That was where that's where I was going with that. What about a coffee patch kids? That would be weird. Uh, that John is a bad. sour coffee. No, she, well, like everyone's face. You <laughs> love one to be fair. Anyway, uh, people have done these like these like blonde stouts, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, they have, and I've had know. every one of them. <laughs> blonde stouts are awesome. I don't know why they're not brewed more often, but they're, they're my favorite beer of all beers. If I have to be honest, like if I see a blonde really coffee, good. something or a blonde stout, I am in not just for one. I'm in for all eternity. Yeah. <laughs> they, those are really good. I like the petting though. The petting miss. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm trying to like fight her a little bit. She wants her ball. She wants to play. She's high energy dogs. Can't help it. Well, we've, we've, we've been going hard tonight. So. I guess you know for for the last question, unless anyone else, anyone else, Derek, Brandon, Emily, anyone else, good. good questions. I'm reading recipes right now. <laughs> okay, this is where we're going. Okay, so um, <laughs> is you know obviously you you're you're building things back up. You're kind of you've rebuilt the the foundation was laid. You're you're building upon that. Yeah. What's kind of next? I mean, obviously you've redone labels, you've redone recipes, you've redone a little bit of everything, even though you're not rocking the gear tonight. You know, you've, you've redone that. You guys have worked on color schemes, which from my perspective of a PR communications guy, I love the branding. I love color palettes, all that stuff. But I mean, you can only fix so much for so long. And I don't know if, you know, Corey and Xavier and all them will let you break down the bar. So what's kind of the, the next thing you guys are working on that you can talk about and not get in trouble? I As Brandon said, <laughs> the only thing I can tell you about is the canning line, but everything else I can't tell, I can't talk about. It's All right. So we'll works. talk about that after, uh, after I hit the button. 
but but you now you do have a canning line, so I assume that means you guys are going out further in distribution. Yeah, so, so right now, you know, we 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 had Ironheart, uh, which is a mobile canning solution, come out, and they were um, canning our you know big flagships, so our chick pills, our Dunkel, and our Hefeweizen, which we'll be adding Hellas to shortly. We're going to start doing sixty barrel Ooh. batches of that now. Um, so we have a brand new design label for that. Um, can't wait for you guys to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so with this can line, we'll we'll because what we had before was an express fill forehead filler. And it was very time consuming to fill, you know, and, and, you know, have these like specialty cans. That's why like our canning game was essentially lacking because we, there was no way to have two people brew, schedule, order ingredients, facilitate package and get it on tap and also cans. So that's why our cans have not been as, uh, as, uh, we haven't had that many variety of cans to go, but with this, we'll have flexibility. Um, you know, luckily with Mirror Twin, um, God, I love Derek and I love Mike and Doug and all those guys over there. Um, they upgraded their canning line to a 10 head filler. So we got their old three head filler, but they have allowed us to uh, rent uh, their current one. Um, it's going to be kind of like a rent to own situation um and see how it goes um so we've been kind of really you know i've i've known derek as a like i meant to say this earlier i've known derek defranco um the owner one of the owners of mirror twins since he was a brewer at blue stallion that's actually when i met him i was at blue stallion ran into him met him and we've just been we've been friends since um but yeah um i love him and he's been very helpful um trying to you know let me put my own uh flair on the Lexington craft beer scene uh, but yeah the idea is to have more cans available in the tap room more cans actually available in distros so like even lexapolitan like i want this to be on shelves too but like we'll self-distro this where like kentucky eagle will sell this so that way we can still sell some cool stuff that's shelf stable on and put it on shelves so like our ipas our sours we'll have those as a complementary aspect to what's currently being provided something that, like you know like what six ipa uh or country boy cougar bait you know they have all these other brands and stuff too but i want to be able to like give you know in this day and market like you've got to give the consumer everything if you don't give them everything you're going to fail so i think having uh the canning line is going to give us the flexibility to just give us or give people the access to beer easier, which is what I want. Well, I mean, it, it definitely helps, especially as uh, we've seen, you know, uh, people like uh, to grab it and go, you know, pick it up in the store, uh, things like that. And, and it's cool to see. And I, I'm excited to see what you can do with that uh, canning yeah. line. And, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't give you too, many, too much tr trouble. <laughs> right yeah no uh, i literally just got it operational today i got all the parts and everything perfectly like it's it's i'm, I'm pretty happy so now we just gotta hook it up and pour beer through it and hopefully we don't waste a bunch there you go <laughs> there you go well if you haven't guys check them out um in lexington right there on west third is it west third yes. yeah uh, yeah west third. <laughs> i said that and i was like oh crap i drive by there all the time all the time west third check out that high top bar that jr just loves so much also their salt and vinegar food which we really didn't oh, get to touch on 
um, which is doing some amazing stuff. And uh, JR, Brandon, Emily, Derek, thank you all for having a flight night with me. And this uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, hopefully uh, I was a good guest. I don't know. I feel like we just rambled for an hour. <laughs> it was, but yeah, at least it was over beer. Appreciate it, JR. <laughs> thanks, thanks, uh, thanks Thank for having you. us. Yep. Um, you know, let let me kind of talk for Blue Stallion and kind of show what we got and what we got coming up. And I'm blessed and happy. So thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, you guys.